this edition of Hoopsology, Justin and Matt welcome public address announcer for the Houston Rockets, Jonathan Sanford. Jonathan brings his insight into his journey to become the in-house voice of the Houston Rockets. This is an awesome chat as Jonathan shares stories and preview what the future is in store for Houston this season. Get in touch with the show through Facebook and Twitter. Leave us a review on iTunes and email us at hoopsologypod at gmail.com. We are a proud member of the OTG Basketball Network. And now, Jonathan Sanford. He is the public address announcer for the Houston Rockets. We welcome Jonathan Sanford onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Jonathan? It's going great, man. I'm getting ready for tomorrow for the NBA regular season schedule to be released. And that's got me excited, I can tell you that. Yeah, we're excited as well. Um, just kind of, I think finally, this is one of the first seasons where the calendar and everything's kind of back to normal, um, just right for, you know, right after the pandemic. Um, before we kind of jump into what's what's happening with the latest in the world of the NBA, I just want to um, ask you, since we have a lot of our other guests, we try to pick their brains about their love and fascination of basketball. So um, I'll let you decide where you want to take this question. What is your favorite or what is your first basketball memory? One of my favorite basketball memories goes to back to my childhood, and I don't know why specifically it's this particular scenario because uh, it's just something that stands out. I remember when I was about, let's see, maybe my early preteens, I had a, a camping trip with friends, and they knew how much I loved the NBA, and I had to bring with me a 13-inch little color TV with me just so I could watch the playoffs, the series between the then – Seattle Supersonics and the Phoenix Suns, where you had Detlef Shrimp, Sean Kemp, Sean Payton. Uh, you had on the other side, you had Charles Barkley. You had Kevin Johnson, Thunder Dan Marley. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, just the simplicity of being out in the middle of the woods with an aerial antenna coming off of that little TV and watching the basketball while everybody else was like, really didn't understand why I was so infatuated. That always will stand out to me. So let's hop into how did you get into um, public address announcing? We've had other PA announcers for the NBA, and their roads are varied in terms of how they just land for a lot of people with a dream job. What was your road to just becoming a PA announcer? Well, for those that are viewers that may not be familiar with me, I grew up in a small town in Alabama, just about 40 miles northwest of Birmingham. Grew up very close next to the University of Alabama, but my passion uh, began for public address announcing when I was a junior in high school. I had the opportunity to get behind the mic as a junior in high school and do some fill-in work there for the PA announcer for my high school, and, and it really just kind of lit that little bit of a spark with me early on. And then wherever I traveled, wherever I've been uh, in my work and my ministry, uh, I've had an opportunity to become the voice of the local high school athletic program, basketball, baseball, football, you name it. I've, I've announced it. And it was either in Alabama or here. I married a Texan. And as they say, I got here as quick as I could. So moving to Texas, got more opportunities to continue to hone those P announcing skills. I've done so many different sports that it's hard to keep track of them. But when we moved to Austin in 2011, uh, that was the first opportunity that I had to um, put my, my foot in the door, possibly with an NBA organization and ended up with the San Antonio Spurs there. But just a lot of, let's just put it this way, paid dues, a lot of paid dues, 
giving back to the community and just just having fun. It was a passion. So I really didn't feel like I was working anytime I was behind the mic. And even to this day, it's not a job, it's a passion. And so when I had that opportunity in 2012 to become part of the San Antonio Spurs organization and to be a public dress announcer for that particular franchise, um, it, it was just a culmination of a lot of years of of hoping and praying that that one day that dream would come true. Jonathan, uh, another kind of question that I've liked to run by PA announcers that we've had on the show, what do you think are the qualities that make a great PA announcer? Like what what are kind of your goals and objectives and just kind of more broadly speaking from what you see from some of your colleagues around the league and in other sports, what do you think makes for a great PA announcer? Well, in speaking to my colleagues around the league, you know, one of the number one things is being able to state the facts of the game and be able to accurately uh, make your announcements in the way that you should. But I, I take it a step further. I've really, my philosophy from day one has always been you, you've got to have the ability to connect intimately with the fans inside that arena. You've got to find some way for your voice to connect intimately to the excitement that is naturally going to take place in that basketball game because of the elements of the game. But you as a PA announcer, you have an opportunity, if you so regard to do it, to tap into the intimacy of that game and, and just increase that level just a little bit more. So I always stress to, to young PA announcers, find a way to get that passion coming through your voice in such a way that 18,000 people can feel that passion coming out of, uh, of your vocals. With your experience, Jonathan, I mean, you've been at – an elite level organization. I mean, both Rockets and Spurs, of course, are elite level organizations, but at different times in their trajectories, as far as where their standings are in the league is what I'm getting at. What is that like announcing for a team that, you know, like extinguished the Miami Heat little mini dynasty, if you want to call it that, however you want to put it, versus um, doing, you know, announcing for a more rebuilding team uh, like the Rockets? Is it is it harder to drive that excitement when you're in a rebuilding situation like the Rockets are in right now? All right. I want to tackle the last part of your question uh, sure. at the end of this, but let me start off by saying being the announcer of the San Antonio Spurs, I was coming into an organization that already had a great core, Yamanu, Tony, Tim, a legacy of success yeah. for many years before I ever arrived on the scene. So really my first year was just kind of coming in and trying to, not make too much of a stamp on the product and call too much attention to myself too early, but kind of come in and, and get my feet under me, get those sea legs working so that by the end of that first season, people would start to recognize me and start to hear those calls that would then become, you know, very synonymous with, with the Spurs games in San Antonio. Um, coming into that situation, knowing the already the level of success, it was just what can I do? Uh, not to get in the way of that success, but also at the same time, find a way to accentuate the success that they had. And then coming into Houston last year, my first season, knowing the the youth uh, of the organization from top to bottom, the players, a lot of the coaches, the staff, people I worked with behind the scenes, knowing the youth in terms of people maybe not new to the game, but new to the Rockets organization and everybody building that product together. It was a really refreshing uh, feeling for me to work with those kind of people uh, and, and try to find those little ways that we could improve the product from a public address standpoint, from a game presentation standpoint. That was really cool for me. So both are opposite ends of the spectrum. 
But to answer the last part of your question, it doesn't matter whether it's a core group that's been together for as long as Tim, Tony, and Manu, or a young group like Jalen Green and KPJ and, and those guys, you're going to give it 100% every time you're behind that mic, whether you're up by 20 or are down by 20. There were, there were a few times, knowing you guys know the culture of the San Antonio Spurs. You know they're about class and trying to handle their business in a right way. And there were times where we were beating a team by 20 or 30, and I knew at that point it wasn't my job to rub it in. You know what I mean by that, Matt, mm-hmm. Justin? Mm-hmm. I knew that there was a For point sure. where the fans understood that within that, that culture there, you didn't rub it in. You didn't just keep hammering them. Uh, and you've watched Pop. You've seen how he will handle games against opponents when they've got them down big. He'll put in the the, the rotation and uh, bring in the bench and uh, just a very classy way of handling things there. And I knew my point was to try to follow suit with that. But in, in Houston, man, last year, it was 100% from start to finish, no matter how down we may have been in the game or how up we were in the game, because you never knew last year how many of those up moments you were going to have. So you had to take advantage of them, give the crowd everything that you had behind that microphone uh, when you had those successful moments. And then I love the challenge of being down. I lo- I'm one of those guys. I love the underdog. And it fits me perfectly what I've seen the last year with the Houston Rockets because these guys are hungry and I was hungry and I still am hungry because, you know, being away from the game for a couple of years, boy, you talk about starving to get back behind that microphone. So just a perfect combination, me coming into Houston and seeing the youth and the growth and, and getting my chops back underway. Hey. Jonathan. Oh, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, just real quick. I mean, you mentioned it, you know, it dawns on me. I mean, it's it's kind of an interesting like opportunity or challenge for you as the PA announcer, if you guys are down 10, let's say, to ignite the fans to swing that momentum. It really is. I go back to the 2016 season for the San Antonio Spurs. 2015, 2016, we were 40 and one at home. We tied the Chicago Bulls record uh, for home wins in a season at at 40 and one. And there were moments during that season where the Spurs would start off slow. The crowd would be kind of not into it right at the beginning of the game. And then it would be on our shoulders from a game presentation standpoint to try to get that crowd back into the game and and get that that team reignited and back uh, in the right direction. And to feel that sense of responsibility there in that situation uh, at the end of the night to look up and see the winning score was a very rewarding thing, but even more so, even more so in, in Houston with what we did last year to, to see those, uh, I believe it was five home wins in a row that we had at one point, 10, I believe all, I can't remember. It's all running together, but mm-hmm. there were times at the end of the night when you look up and you see that W for the Rockets last year and you knew that it was a team effort. Everybody, crowd, uh, players, coaches, staff, everybody just giving it everything during that night so that you could get uh, one of those wins that weren't going to be quite as easy to come by as maybe what I experienced in San Antonio back in, say, 2015-2016. Jonathan, we've had other PA announcers on our show, and we've asked them their philosophy and how they go about um, pumping up the crowd and just um, announcing 
both teams home in a way. What is your philosophy? Are you um, kind of straight down the middle, understated, or are you pretty expressive in terms of trying to get um, just the crowd riled up? I know heard different philosophies depending on the announcement. Yeah, I mean, you. you talk to Lawrence Tanter, you know, the longtime voice of the Los Angeles Lakers, um, has a very, like you say, a very balanced approach between the home and the away team. Not the animated uh, response that you see from a lot of public address announcers. I, I'm, I'm all about gamesmanship, guys. I, I really love that during that season, uh, the championship season in San Antonio in 2013-2014 season, in the finals with Michael Biamonte, you know, uh, the, the Heat's public address, and we had fun, man. We, you know, when it came to announcing the, uh, the starting lineup for the visiting Miami Heat, you know, it was all about deadpan, just, you know, you know, give them that, that low intensity, <laughs> just kind of that little snide there. It was fun, though, and, and the good thing about it was that it was gamesmanship on both sides. Michael knew what he was doing. I knew what I was doing, and we respected each other all the more for it. And, you know, after what had happened between those two teams uh, in the previous finals, uh, there was a lot of intensity, a lot of intensity. But the fact was that we could still get in there and have some fun and talk to each other after the game and go, hey, nothing personal, right? Um, Most people within this league understand that gamesmanship of giving your home team the emphasis and getting your crowd. That's your responsibility. It's not your responsibility, by the way, to get the away team into the basketball game. So you also have to keep that in mind sometimes in what you do. You don't want to give them a reason to be angry, if you know what I mean, guys. So you also have to think about that. So there's a balance, but there's also some real good gamesmanship that you enjoy philosophy-wise to get your crowd into the game and maybe – make the moment seem a little less uh, fun for the away team. Jonathan, you are one of the few individuals who has seen behind the curtain for two different NBA franchises in the state of Texas. I wanted to ask you, you know, I, I have family in Houston area, so that's uh, the main reason that I'm a Rockets fan. I've rooted for them since I was a child, um, but I don't live in Texas. I did for a brief period of time. Anyway, long story short, I wanted to get your thoughts on just the Texas basketball rivalry. Is there a strong rivalry between those three franchises? Of course, the Mavericks, Spurs, and Rockets. What is that dynamic like? I mean, is it, you know, approaching like, Nets Knicks of recent time is it where is it on the scale of rivalry as you know as an interstate rivalry so to give you a little background about myself and rivalries growing up in the state of Alabama there is no NFL team there is no NBA team there is no major league baseball team you've got college football and there are two major teams in the state of Alabama Alabama and Auburn and when you're born they slap you on the behind and you have to make your decision right then and there. <laughs> Who are you going to be for? Alabama or Auburn, right? And I grew up as an Alabama fan. Couldn't help it. You know, just a few moments away from the campus. And growing up with that rivalry, I could never imagine for even one moment the announcer for the Alabama Crimson Tide going and being the announcer for the Auburn Tigers. <laughs> it just wouldn't happen. <laughs> now, With that in mind, 
being in San Antonio, I did not grow up a Spurs fan. In fact, I was a Rockets fan before I was part of the Spurs. Mm. Being a part of the San Antonio Spurs organization, seeing how they treated the Texas showdown. That's what the, whenever the Mavericks and the Spurs or the Spurs and the Rockets or the Rockets and the Mavericks, you, you get it. Whenever they play, it's a Texas showdown. And seeing the rivalry between those teams, specifically between the Spurs and the Rockets, I really didn't know last year coming into this deal, would people go, wait a second, that's the Spurs announcer. We hate him. <laughs> but what I found out, thankfully so, is there is a mutual respect between the Spurs and the Rockets. Do they love to beat one another? You better believe it. But there's a mutual respect between those two teams. It's interesting that when I see that respect, and now I'm going to speak for a moment from the fan perspective. It's interesting that Spurs fans and Rockets fans both unite for one reason, and that is neither <laughs> one of them like the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> That's what I was going to guess. <laughs> I, I don't know why specifically that is, and I'm just speaking from a fan perspective and the sure. feedback I've received from the fans. People said, well, if you had been the announcer for the Dallas Mavericks, we would have never been able to accept you in Houston. <laughs> but the fact that you were the Spurs announcer, we respected that and so it was, that was interesting for me because that would never happen back in my home state of Alabama if you were the announcer for the Alabama Crimson Tide and you went to, to announce for the Auburn Tigers. So I think there's a deep respect between the Spurs and the Rockets. Again, they would love to just trounce one another on the basketball court, and all three have that feeling on the basketball court. But it's been kind of an interesting uh, relationship between the fans of all three. Probably the, the most hated I have ever been in terms of public address announcer was a 2014 series between the Mavericks and the Spurs. It went to a game seven Spurs won that mm. uh, game seven. I remember just looking at Twitter to see what the opposing fans were, were saying about me. And it was quite comical uh, to read some <laughs> of their uh, responses about me. And that was, you know, that was for me, that was a brand new feeling, a new feeling. So uh, pretty cool. Speaking of fan interactions, do you have a memorable story with a fan or um, a positive or negative interaction just in terms of you know, you're trying to do your job, but yet you might have some fans either, you know, um, giving you some praise or kind of going in the opposite direction? If I'm just honest with you, and this may not seem like much to others, I never imagined walking through the tunnel, the player tunnel, in the AT&T Center or at Toyota Center that anyone would ever stop me and ask me for my autograph. I just never would have even thought that to be the case. Now, as somebody who loves the art of public address announcing, I would have loved in 1997 to have gotten Ray Clay's autograph just because as that young man wanting and dreaming of doing this, that would have been an autograph I'd have really sought out. But just... From a common fan standpoint, I could not believe maybe a year or two into my time in San Antonio that I could walk through that tunnel and a fan would ask me to give them my autograph. And I remember one day a fan had a basketball and he hands me the ball and he hands me a Sharpie and he asked me to sign the ball. And I looked down and on that ball was Tim Duncan's autograph and Tony Parker's autograph. 
And you know that song, oh. one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> That's how I felt. And he's like, no, I really want you to sign that. It means something to me. Now that, that right there for the rest of my life, not the signature, not being asked, but the fact that he would say that it meant something to him. That's when it truly meant something to me. That's when I realized just how blessed I was. I knew I was blessed, but really took it to a whole different level that I could walk down the street and somebody see me take my family to six flags in San Antonio and have a, a fan come up and, and say, are you the, the announcer for the Spurs? And then, you know, making that connection. So I just never thought that would be the case. Um, growing up in a small town in Alabama, you don't expect to one day be asked for your autograph inside an NBA arena. And, and the same in Houston. The fans have just, guys, I can't tell you enough how fortunate we are and being a public address announcer in this league first and foremost, but then to add that on top of it, to have the graces of the fans and their care for you, that, that takes it all to a whole different level. Very cool. Very cool. Jonathan, um, want to get, of course, your thoughts on the Rockets this upcoming season. What do you expect from the team? What what are you excited about for this team? I mean, there's, of course, with it being a young core, there's a lot to be excited about, I think. Um, what are your thoughts on this upcoming season? Well, you look at at who the Rockets drafted in this offseason. I was so incredibly uh, surprised to see us be able to get Jabari Smith. I was even more happy to see Tarese and Ty Tyler. I mean, just yeah, what a great offseason for the Houston Rockets. But even before that, the growth that the players made during the previous season, the work ethic that you saw on behalf of the players and the coaches, especially during that final stretch run of this past season, end of the offseason, what I've heard out of this team this offseason, these players, their dedication, their works all this summer, you add now these young cats that are as hungry as they can be there is going to be continued growth this year. Will there be ups and will there be downs? Absolutely. But it's going to be one of the most exciting seasons for the Houston Rockets that this city has seen in, in, a, in a little while. So it's going to be one that, again, is going to have some ups and downs. But at the end of the day, at the end of this year, I truly believe there's going to be a lot to look forward to going on into that next season. So another growth, uh, another chance for these guys to hone their craft and to grow. They were little babes last year. They're going to grow up into big guys here. And Houston as a city knows what it's like to see an organization with youth, say 2013 Houston Astros, to see a team grow together and mold together into a franchise that is one to be reckoned with. That's what the, the Astros did right here in Houston. Rockets fans really want to see the same thing with this young core. And I believe they're going to get that opportunity. Is the fan base excited? Or can they feel that excitement that you have for this young core? Are you getting kind of feedback from them looking forward to this season compared to last season? Absolutely. It, it See, last season, I think there was kind of a lot of unanswered, a lot of people not so sure how the season would go what they saw last year has given them at least enough confidence to believe that that growth can continue if you give a fan base a reason to believe that excitement is going to naturally flow 
and that's what I'm saying. The the guys last year, especially down that final stretch, gave fans a reason to believe this past draft got them even more excited. So I can't wait. I I, I know we haven't got the schedule yet, but opening night, uh, the energy inside the Toyota Center is going to be even higher than it was last season. Are there any distinguishable traits that you've noticed so far specific to Houston Rockets fans? Um, I mean, a, a team that has, you know, a storied franchise, of course, Elijah Wan, one of the greatest centers to ever do it, especially on the defensive end of the floor. Um, what distinguishes the Houston Rockets fans or, or what have you picked up so far? The uh, It's like an all year round deal. I mean, these mm-hmm. fans don't stop thinking about Rockets basketball. San Antonio, yes, they were, you know, I think a lot of the time what happens when you have success as many years in a row as the Spurs had, you know, there's a certain thing called complacency that can begin to set in within a fan base. I have not even seen the the smallest hint of complacency in this fan base. If you jump on Twitter, you will see a rocket space almost every single day. That's true. That's incredible. I mean, they are quite simply leading the league and the amount of time spent together in these spaces. Um, during the season, there would be there were two main spaces I would see after a game, and each one of them have a few hundred in, uh, and they would be together until two o'clock in the morning. That is a, a rabidness and an excitement that is just on a completely different level. And it's nothing against San Antonio. I just think after you've been successful for as long as they were, a little bit of expectation complacency. I know that with Alabama football and Alabama fans. I can remember in uh, the the first year for Coach Saban, 2007, the spring game, the scrimmage, they had 102,000 inside uh, the stadium there at the University of Alabama. Now, if they get 35,000, that's a big day, right? So, complacency sometimes can set in within any fan base that's had a large amount of success, but I don't see any complacency within the uh, Houston Rockets fan base, just absolute hunger. And it's on a level that um, I don't know how it compares with other NBA franchises in terms of other than the Spurs franchise, but it's on a, on a very high level right now. That's, that's really enjoyable. Jonathan, I want to just get your overall thoughts of this upcoming NBA season. Now, it's been a weird offseason with Kevin Durant, um, the Lakers, they're up in the air. Just uh, We saw a very exciting draft. Summer League was very entertaining. What is kind of catching your eye um, heading into this upcoming season? I hate to say this, but it, it's pretty evident that the Golden State Warriors, um, they're not going anywhere anytime soon, guys. Uh, you look at the youth on that team and as long as they can keep that core group together, they're going to be very tough to unseat from the top of the league. Um, I really don't know what to expect with Los Angeles, with the Lakers, uh, in that situation, the, the situation with Kevin Durant, um, uh, well, that entire franchise has been one of the most interesting stories this summer. I can't even imagine how many stories have been written on that that particular situation all summer but you know some way somehow that situation is going to be seen out you're some way or another that's going to play out and I think going into this season that's going to be on people's minds 
And for Rockets fans, they want to see what's going to happen with that because of the the trade situation that they had with, with James Harden, you know, uh, the potential draft picks. Which way does that franchise go? Because if it heads downward, uh, you have opportunity for higher picks for, for the Rockets organization. So that's certainly going to be on Rockets fans' minds from another team's perspective. But I, I look at um, a situation with Giannis Adetokounmpo. What, what's going to be his situation now going forward? What what will be his future there? Will he end up sticking around or will he go somewhere else after this? Kind of, there's a lot of different storylines like that that are kind of puzzling but are going to be interesting to see play through as this season kind of develops. Oh, go ahead, Matt. Jonathan, do you feel the talent pool in the league right now is as deep as it's ever been um, since you started with the Spurs back in 2013? How how do you feel about the overall talent pool in the NBA? It is the youngest talented league I have seen in my lifetime. Mm. Youth wow. playing at a, a much higher level than at any other point. And, and I'm 45 years old, and I've been watching the league very closely since I, before I was even a preteen. And I cannot remember a time in my life where this many young players were playing at the level that they're playing at now. And I think that maybe has to do a little bit of the, the training that these kids are getting very, very early on. And so it, it, what it does, it brings a lot more, in my opinion, a lot more evenness throughout the league. Uh, yes, you're going to have your, your halves and, you know, you're going to have teams like golden state. They're going to reign the top, but then that those battles for third on back and in the conference can be so hotly contested that the league has to love that from a matchup standpoint, from people not giving up on the regular season saying, oh, I'll just wait until the, to the playoffs and uh, to see how things shake out. No, with the youth in this league, the excitement for these young players, Ratings from a standpoint from the top to bottom of the league are going to be up because people want to see the athleticism of some of these young players. It's on a level, like I say, that I, I don't believe I've seen it in my lifetime before. One of the things we also had, I'm sorry, Justin, one more, and then no. I'll pass it to you. No, okay. um, no worries. One of the things that we saw at the start of the year last year was more uh, the, the officials allowing a little bit more physical play did you feel the impact of that announcing those games? What were your thoughts on the officiating last season? And do you expect that to continue this year? I'm all for more physical style of play because, again, I grew up at a point in time where that was the norm. So I'm always going to side with our officials whenever they allow a more physical style of play. I think it, it gets the intensity to ratchet up in, in the game a little bit. Uh, you know, players love to be challenged like that against one another. Uh, so for me, the physicality, the way the officials uh, really kind of molded the game last year, I thought was a positive step. And I, I have no problem if that continues this year. Jonathan, before we uh, let you go, I uh, looked on your timeline. It appears that you're a big pro wrestling fan, so uh, yeah, I could right. not resist. Um, just what are your thoughts with just what's going on in the pro wrestling world these days? Vince McMahon's gone, new regime there. Um, AEW seems like they have a lot of momentum heading into the fall. Can I? What's your overall thoughts? Well, as you mentioned, uh, Vince McMahon uh, no longer being at the helm of, of WWE, that's something that I would not have imagined happening until, I mean, people really thought that he was going to die yep. right there in the uh, room, right outside the, the curtain. 
right. um, in the staging area. People thought he would die there, right? Yeah. Because there was no way they're going to drag him out of there. So um, this was a, a major event in the world of professional wrestling for the standpoint that now this guy is no longer at the helm. Now, there are a lot of fans that are relieved by that. They, they want to see a fresh outlook on, on WWE's products. So to have... You know, Triple H, Stephanie, uh, and Khan, who is, uh, let's see, what is his name again? There's Tony Khan with AEW, but then there's the other Khan there with WWE. Uh, those three working yeah. together, you've already seen an impact on the product just in the first two or three weeks uh, of yeah. their uh, time at the helm. And WWE has momentum again. It feels like for the first time in a long time, they actually have more momentum than AEW, which i did not expect to see at this point and this time this year i think right now AEW, it's a great uh great organization great talent but i think at some point you begin to face some difficulties and i think this right here has presented a new difficulty because a lot of the talent that made their way from wwe to AEW that were big fans of triple h and, and his leadership and and so forth are they kind of being, you know, kind of lured to, to want to go back there? Does that, you know, how does that affect your locker room? Because let me put it in, in, in the world of professional wrestling, locker room is everything. And, and the way the locker room goes in both of those organizations is going to determine success outside of that locker room and on screen. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how Tony Khan now manages a roster that may not be as in love with him and, and the circumstances as they were this time last year. So, it just makes it even more interesting for me because I love both sides. I love what's on the TV screen and I love what's going on behind the scenes. It's it's super fascinating just because the power dynamic has shifted in yep. terms of, I think, a lot of hardcore wrestling fans viewing WWE kind of, if you're going to put it in sports terms, kind of like the Dallas Cowboys, like everybody wants to root against like the America's team and the favorite. Now that, you know, Vince is gone to have a lot of the, the sympathy of the, I the can't remember, party. I can't remember yeah. a time. And this goes all the way back to 2000, 1998, 1997, 1996. And what was then known as the Monday night wars. Yeah. I can't remember a time when the momentum shifted between two companies as quickly as it did here about two weeks ago. Agreed. Uh, as soon as, as Vince was gone and the word was, was released that, that uh, Hunter was going to now be in charge of the direction of that company in terms of creatively, uh, it was just an immediate switch flipped. And um, I don't think that um, if you're Tony Khan, well, let's, let's me, let me change that for a moment. If you're Tony Khan, and you love competition, you like this opportunity to prove, your, prove yourself even further, right? If that's the way your makeup and your mentality is, then your product is going to grow. Both companies are at their best when they're in competition with each other, when they Agreed. see each other as a viable competition. I think, honestly, Vince didn't, he never saw EW as a viable competition. I think Triple H, having seen some of the guys that he's had under his belt over on that other brand, I think he sees that as competition and it's going to motivate him. And so far I, I, there had been a, uh, being quite honest with you, I didn't watch a uh, WWE for a while because I felt like the product just got too stale over the last four or five months. But as soon as that was done, I tuned in just to see what are we going to see here? And there's <laughs> been some changes uh, in the short term that I've liked. Um, and, and we'll see if, if they can keep that momentum. Momentum is everything when it comes to, both behind the scenes and on screen. 
No, totally agree. If I could, with this one last question, um, since we are a basketball podcast, um, I do notice that other teams in the league, they have embraced professional wrestling over the years, to, to my surprise. Um, have you seen a little, bit, a little bit of that synergy, either with your current time with the Houston Rockets or with the Spurs, in terms of kind of those worlds meshing together at all? If you go back and you watch the 2014 NBA playoffs, uh, the finals between San Antonio and the Heat, you may recall that uh, we used the Undertaker's theme (laughs) or Miami Heat's entrance music uh, for the uh, player introductions, which, you know, for me, that that was really enjoyable. (laughs) That just brought out the little kid in me. we had it, we had Mark Henry come out on the court a couple times in in San Antonio, of course HBK right because that's his hometown San yeah. Antonio Texas right there come out and uh, give a super kick to the mascot and then uh, even here in Houston they've they've had various uh, members of the WWE I haven't seen very many of the AEW variant coming out in in either San Antonio or Houston, but uh, it's always been cool whenever you see that little bit of a, of a mix. And, and there is a great correlation between the way fans react to professional wrestling and the way they do an NBA game. And, and, and even from an announcer standpoint, I recognize there are correlations between what I do behind that mic and getting that, what they call in wrestling, that pop, right? Yep. You've got a cheap pop that <laughs> <laughs> you can always count on, but you know, from an announcing standpoint, there are other ways that you're going to have to get that crowd into it. And, and I like, I really enjoy that correlation between the two. Jonathan, we appreciate the chat. Thank you very much for your time. Can you please let our listeners and viewers know where they can find you on social media and then anything else you're working on as well. Yeah, you can catch me at the, that's T-H-E-J-S-A-N-F-O-R-D. That's the J Sanford on Twitter. Uh, and far in terms of what I'm working on right now, I'm just working on getting ready for a brand new NBA season. I'm excited. I know that you fans here of the Hoopsology podcast, y'all are excited. So look forward to seeing you at a uh, NBA arena this coming, uh, this coming fall. It's going to be a fun year for NBA basketball, whether you're a fan of the Houston Rockets or any of the other NBA teams going to be a fun year for everybody involved awesome looking forward to it jonathan have a great season thank you so much again for joining us thanks so much you guys been a great great amount of fun for me i enjoy speaking to you guys